0: If you'd like to learn more about Elevate, visit us at iloveelevate.com, follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for everything you do, which brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Imagine One night, somebody comes into your room and brutally kidnaps you and takes you away from your family, your friends, everyone that you've ever known, ever loved, and they plant you on top of this mountain with a gorgeous view, and you're stuck there for the rest of your life. Separated from everyone. Alone. But the view is really pretty. Isn't that how we look at death? So often... Heaven has been sold to us that it's such a great place, and it's so pretty. Streets of gold and no more tears. And I don't know about you, but when I think about the people that I love in my life, there is no thing that I can be promised or pleasure in heaven that has been sold to me that would make it worth walking away from the people that I love and my family. Oh, it doesn't matter. I'll just come and go. Do you relate to that a little bit? Maybe that's because so often altar calls come down to, don't you want to go to heaven? Don't you want to escape hell? And we miss one of the most beautiful gems of the whole point of why Jesus died. What does everyone who ever lived have in common? They've all died. Death is a reality of our life that whether we accept it or not, is still a reality. Solomon and Ecclesiastes wrestle with this thing. How come the good, the bad, the righteous, the holy, the wicked, how come no matter what you do, no matter how hard you work, no matter how much money you earn, we still die? And anyone that you've ever heard of, every name in the Bible, every name in history, if they were born before, I don't know, 1910, they're dead. Cemeteries are full of Names representing people that were once young and thought that death was far away. Just like we feel. And yet, they still came to death. It's something that we have to wrestle with and wrap our minds around. And for a Christian, we actually, for a Jesus follower, it changes. We have a different view on death. Let's take a look at Second Corinthians chapter 5. Paul actually writes quite a bit on this subject, and this is, this is 10 verses. I know it's going to seem a little long, but I I hope that you'll stay with me. Try to focus as we go through this instead of wandering off into space the way I do sometimes, because there is so much meat here, and I hope that tonight, I know that in a room with this many people, someone right now may be hurting because of the loss of a family member. I know that that we struggle, that everyone, at some point of our lives, we're going to lose someone that we love, or will be the ones that God takes sooner than what we think would be right. But I hope that tonight, this is not truth that, that is difficult. It's truth that I hope will give peace. And so I, I want to be sensitive if anybody in here is dealing with maybe a loss. And so, Lord, I pray that you are ministering through me, and that you will get me out of the way. Touch our hearts tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. 2 Corinthians 5, we're going to begin at the first verse. For we know when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body. So right away, we have a metaphor that our body is like a tent that we live in. Our spirit is living in our body, right? We will have a house in heaven. So already we have a comparison between... Our earthly, what we wear on earth versus what we'll wear in heaven, is as different. The majesty, the strength, the durability is as different as a flimsy tent versus a house. So we already have a great contrast here, some mental imagery. It is an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies— We will not be spirits without bodies. We will live in these earthly bodies. Or while we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and we sigh. But that's not, but it's not that we want to die to get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we will live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged, We will each receive whatever we would deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Did y'all follow that? Were you able to keep from wandering off to track what's going on in that text? We're going to break it down a little bit, but the truth that we have to wrap our minds around before we can go further is that our bodies are temporary. They're fragile. They are subject to the law of entropy. They're perishable, and the law of decay is going to get us. There's no way around it. Barring Jesus returning and taking us while we're still alive. We're not getting out of it. And every generation before us all thought Jesus was coming. So we look at this. Let's break this down one verse at a time. For we know that when this earthly body, this tent that we live in is taken down, that is, when we die, we leave this earthly body, we'll have a house in heaven. He's contrasting the, the value, the strength of the tent that we're living in now versus the durability, the everlastingness, the strength of a heavenly body that God's going to give us. We grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. I don't know about you, but there's like an anxiousness in us for something more than what we see. Why do we look around and people are striving their whole lives for some sort of fulfillment, and yet those who achieve everything still don't have it? There's something in us that longs, that groans, that mourns, that desires, that anxiously awaits something beyond this. We will put on heavenly bodies. We'll not be spirits without bodies. We're not going to be disembodied personalities floating around. There's a a heresy in church history called Gnosticism. And it's the idea that everything that is flesh is evil. And so the idea of Gnosticism is some sort of secret teachings of Jesus that we have to deny every fleshly good thing. So even things that Christians say are good are bad if you enjoy them. And so it's very, like, self-abusive, and they abstain from anything good. And they're so certain that our body is nothing more than a glove that, when we die, we just hop out of. But when Jesus resurrected, there was nothing left in the tomb. Because God created man, and he called him good and so God isn't tossing our old bodies like just this disembodied spirit's going to float away. God is going to come and resurrect our old bodies and perfect it the way it should have been, untainted by sin. Are you following me? But I don't want to spend too much time on Gnosticism. That's a whole other conversation. Verses 4 and 5. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die to get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on new bodies so that these dying bodies, what, they don't get thrown out, thrown out or left behind. They get swallowed up by life. God Himself has prepared us for this. So we have a problem because we, even Christians, tend to see death as defeat. Don't we we fight against it so much? Whenever we have someone that we're close to that's dying and we're praying for them, we pray for them as if if God doesn't answer my prayers, then we lose. If God doesn't answer my prayer and give them a full recovery, then we're defeated. They were crushed. It it doesn't work. And so we have this bent idea that death is simply defeat for a Christian. When Jesus came and because of the cross, he flipped it upside down on its head. And the reason that we think that it's defeat, the reason that we act like it, even if we know up here, think of the. the the prayer meetings, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with praying for the sick. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, please don't misunderstand me. But we will sometimes come with it with this heart of desperation that if God fails, we've lost. If God doesn't answer the prayer the way we want, then we are defeated. And that is not what's going on here at all. I've heard people, like, praying for the dead, and they're just mourning and crying out, and please raise. But why is that so important if what we believe is true? if what we believe is true, that death is actually a defeat of the enemy and victory for God's people, then we shouldn't be so downcast by something that Jesus calls good. I know it's, this is a, a tough thing to swallow, wrap our minds around, but this is how Paul sees it. This is what he's teaching us. And that concept, that idea, that grinding against our nature is simply fear, and it is this. Pay attention right now. It is a fear that this world is better than the next one. That's it. Black and white. Why do we fight so hard against it? Because we're sure that this one's better than the next. Whenever somebody dies at a young age, what do we say? Oh, man, they never had the chance to be married. Oh, they didn't have a chance to have kids. They didn't have this. They missed out on this experience and this joy. But we're still like wrapping our minds around the fact that this life must be better than that one. When what's true is their experiences with Jesus way outweigh anything we think they missed here. We have a fear. Let's keep going. Verse 6. I love the way Paul unpacks this. So we are always confident. Get that? Staring death in the face, we are always confident. Even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we're not at home with the Lord yet. There's so much faith wrapped up in our faith. We, we can't touch Jesus. We can't hold him by the hand yet. We're not able to look into his eyes yet. We're not at home complete yet. We do walk by faith. We do yearn to hear his voice and press into the Holy Spirit for him to speak to us through that still small voice inside. But there will come a day that when we're in heaven, that he is the finish line. He's the one that we run to and throw our arms around. We're going to be at home with him someday. Verse 7, for we live by believing, not by seeing. I think that the evidence that we feel so incomplete and unfulfilled here is an evidence to non-believers that there is something more than just the physical realm. Because we yearn for something more. Verse 8, yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we would be where? At home with the Lord. You see, believers have a very different experience. We have an excitement as we approach death. We have an excitement for those that we know love Jesus and went before us. There is a different view. It is not a loss. It is a gain for a Christian, for a Jesus follower to run into the arms of Christ. Yes, we are fully confident. Verse 9 through 10. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. So it doesn't matter. Whether we're living or moving on, our goal is still the same, is to please our Lord. We all must stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for good or evil. We have done on this earthly body. I love what he says in Gladiator. What we do in this life echoes in eternity. Oh, so great. This is a game changer for a Christian. Y'all, this is a game changer. This is why I feel like it's important for you to know this now. So, as you walk forward into life, you have a, a biblical view of death, and it's not one of defeat, it's not one of being crushed or hopeless. A Christian's view of death is something that's exciting. It's a game changer. It's a confidence and a hope that the ungodly will never, ever have. First Corinthians 15. I tell you this. am going to start at verse 50. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Y'all, we're not getting in with our physical bodies. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. As in, what, we're, what is temporary, what is now, what is physical, cannot receive what is spiritual. What is even more real than what we conceive is real. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, as in we're not all going to die, but we will be all be changed. So when Jesus returns, there's going to be some Christians that are still alive. But whether they're alive or dead, the same thing happens. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, eternal. And we shall all be changed. For this perishable body, this temporary thing right here, must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, (laughs) death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? You got nothing on us. Come at me, death. You've got nothing. My death is victory. Jesus won it. This is nothing but a transition. This is going from here to Jesus. What do you got on me, death? There's nothing to be afraid of. The sting of death is is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So question tonight, are you afraid to die? And I'll be honest, Dom's disclaimer for the evening, there's a lot, like, I'm just, I've got an instinctual fight or flight like anybody else. I'm afraid of dying in pain. I don't want to leave behind people that I love. And if I was to fall off a ladder, I wouldn't suddenly switch into some sort of serene meditative state as I crack my head on the floor. No, I'm going to be screaming and kicking and flailing the whole way off the ladder. But the closer I get to Jesus, the less and less I fear death. The more I have a hope, the more it has nothing of weight. Revelation 10 or 12, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren, our enemy, the devil, who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of the testimony. And get this, they did not love their lives to death. If you are afraid of death, there's one or two possibilities. And the first possibility is this. Maybe you love your life too much. Maybe you're absolutely certain deep down inside where you wouldn't admit it to yourself that this life might be better than the next one. And so you're holding on and grabbing onto things. And if you're afraid of death, maybe it's because what you're holding on to now is what you think is better than what's coming. But those who defeated the enemy, overcome him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. Remember, we're trading what is temporary for what is Eternal. What is nothing but a tent for what is a house? What we have coming is so much better than what we have now. So what is the purpose of our lives then? If this is so temporary, if it's so empty, what's the purpose of it? First Corinthians 5 verse 9, going back to the verses we read. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, here it is. Our goal is to please him. God, our king, creator, owner of everything. He is. He is the king, creator, owner of everything. Therefore, everything that you have, as in the stuff that you have, as in your families, your relationships, even your very life, does not belong to me or you. God has just made us stewards and overseers of them. Are you following me? As in, that person in your life that you care a lot about, that relationship doesn't belong to you. The relationship belongs to God, and God has put you in a position of authority over that relationship for a period of time. Are you following me? So we're not called to grab onto the things that we have. We're called to give the best care to the things that we have because they belong to him. I love Pastor Ben's illustration that if somebody lent you their very nice car and told you you could borrow for the weekend, you would baby that thing because it's not yours. You would care for it, right? How much more your mom? How much more your best friend? How much more your life? How much more the things that God has given to you? The time, energy, treasure, money, to say it frankly. How much more should we be wise with it since it's God's and we're stewards of it, not meant to hold on, but to care for wisely? Are you following me? This is hard to wrap our minds around because... God forbid, I hope that I would have the cognizance to at least grow to this point, but what if God took someone really special from me? What if it was one of my kids? Whether I feel good about it or not, the truth is still that God has temporarily lent them to me to be a steward of, to take care of on behalf of him. And so if they still belong to God, whether I like it or not. And so even if next week I've I've had this terrible loss and I'm mad about it, it still doesn't make a difference. God still is the owner, king, creator, sovereign. Are you following me? And so my role is not to hold on. My role is to care and steward the very best that I can to please God. Whew, it's uncomfortable. And I shake that off. So how do we care for the things that God has given us? We love through sacrifice. I want you to follow me on this. It's harder to sacrifice for Jesus and for other people if deep down inside, we really believe that now is better than what's coming. You're not going to want to sacrifice what you have now if you think that what's in this life is going to be better than what's in the next life. Are you tracking? If you have that perspective, then there is nothing left for you but selfishness. Get all you can, have all the pleasure you can, because now is better then. You following me? But if we flip the script and we look at this through the eyes of a Jesus follower and we actually believe that the next life is better than this life, then what? Then it's so much easier to sacrifice, to give, to give until it hurts, to lay ourselves down for one another, lay ourselves down for Christ because the next life is better than this one. What do we got to lose? And there is nothing left for us but surrender. Isn't that amazing? With just a simple focus change, it changes our whole life. If this life is better, then we'll live selfishly. If the next life is better, and we believe it, then we live selflessly in surrender to love and to sacrifice for those that God has given us to steward, to please him. Isn't this beautiful truth? It's uncomfortable, but it's still beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. We choose faith that being with him is greater than anyone else, than having anything else. So I ask you again, are you afraid of death? Two possible reasons. One, if you are afraid of death, one, it's because you love this life too much. Two, it's because your relationship with God may not be right. Philippians 1, 19 through 24. Paul again, man, this guy was all over this whole death subject. Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Heads up, Paul is in prison right now, and he's got the churches praying for him. They're trying to raise money to get him out. They're looking for any angle to get him out. And so he's writing to them from prison, and he's saying that, I know you're praying for me. I'm hoping this is going to turn out for my deliverance. I'm believing for it, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed that I'm going to hold to the faith no matter what goes on. I'm not going to give in. But that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. 21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is what? It's gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. So if I'm alive, guess what? I'm not looking forward to dying, but if I am alive, actually he is, but if I'm looking, me personally, if I'm alive, My goal is to please God by loving and sacrificing for the people in my life. For the people that God brings into my life. For the people that I don't even like. And what? Yet, which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. Death or life. My desire, really, is to depart and be with Christ. For that is far better. Far better. Far better. You following? But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. As in, I'm going to stay in prison alive because you guys need me. Oh, I really want to go be with Jesus. Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection had nothing to do with getting you to heaven. That is a really lame Christian sales tactic. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection have everything to do with bringing you and me back to himself our loving king. The greater the relationship we have with Jesus, the less and less we're going to fear death because he's the one we're waiting for. He becomes our total goal. He's the one that we're seeking that we can't wait to be with, to be home with. And we get a taste of that right here and now because we can walk with him here through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. Isn't this so cool? There's a story, I don't know if it's true or not, it doesn't matter, about a man sitting on a doctor's, um, what do they call him? It's like a bench or something. You sit there, your rear end's cold, and the doctor comes in, you know, etc. And the man received a, a terminal diagnosis. And he said, Doc, um, are you afraid to die? And the doctor said, no. I said, why on earth aren't you afraid to die? With all that you know, with it, you know, you know how the body shuts down, you know all this stuff, why aren't you afraid to die? And the doctor walked over to a different door in the room than the door the patient had come in. And as the, the doctor approached the door, you he heard like some swishing going on behind the door. And the doctor opened the door, and behind it was a golden lab. You heard the story before? Probably from me. It's such a great story. And the golden lab jumps in and, and gives the doctor like this hug and he rubs his head and he's just so happy. All that, you know, drool. It's just great. It's one of those dog-man relationship things, you know. And the doctor looks at the man who's sitting on the bench and he says, my dog has never been in this room before. He doesn't know anything of what to expect when I open the door. All he knows, sir, is that his master's in here. And he comes busting in for me. And sir, I'm a Christian. And my master is waiting for me. Thank you, Jesus. We don't have anything to fear because Jesus is there. The more and more and more you grow in relationship with Jesus, the less and less and less you're going to fear death because those two things are removed. This life starts seeming really less important doesn't matter what car you drive. doesn't matter how much money you make. doesn't matter how many girlfriends you had. None of that stuff matters. This life starts seeming really unimportant. And two, <laughs> when you're right with Christ, he's waiting for you. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to read that again. 2 Corinthians 5. I'm going to read 1, 8, and 9. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself, not by human hands. Yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. There's a gentleman in the Bible that I look up to a lot. He actually has a really short story. His name is Stephen. I had a great conversation with Elijah about this guy. Stephen was a glorified waiter. He took food to people. That was it, the end. And he was chosen to take food to people because he was a man who walked in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And in the midst of his taking food to people, some of the really priestly, religious people got mad at him. And they drag him in, and they ask him about whether he believes in Jesus or not, and Stephen lays out this long testimony of, how, of God's faithfulness in their nation and in his, in his life. Like, I don't know why they let Stephen talk this long, but he just goes on and on and on. He's a glorified waiter, and he's just preaching at these people, and they get so mad. It says they grinded their teeth at him. They were so angry at him, so they drag him outside to stone him. And it says that Stephen, he looks up, and he sees Heaven. And they stone him to death. And if I could give you just a, a glimpse inside of my imagination, I, this, is, this is Dom's point of view, but walk with me through it. We use our imagination for enough bad stuff, let's use it for something good. I love the idea that when Stephen is staring at these people circling around him, and they've got these jagged rocks, these skin-ripping, concussion, skull-breaking rocks in their hands. He's looking at these faces, and he glances up, and he sees that vision of heaven. Maybe it was a little blurry. What if? What if it was blurry? And what if with every stone that tore his skin, with every blow to the head, he looks up, and it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer with every blow, until they fade away the angry words, the throwing rocks begins to fade and heaven becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. And with the last concussive rock, he is on his knees and everything goes dark. And as he slumps down and his forehead, touches the dirt, it touches gold. To look up and see the throne of God. And what if in front of an almighty, powerful, holy God, Stephen feels like he's these big, And he can't feel any smaller. And he just knows his own sin. He knows his own filth. And that compels him to get as low to the ground as he possibly can. What if against almighty creator, he recognizes his comparison? And it's embarrassing. Because the very best goodness that we have is like filthy rags before God. And so he lays himself as flat to the ground as he can. He's wishing that there was a dent in the floor so he could get just a little bit lower before God. And what if, what if Jesus did what he's been doing since the beginning of time? What if Jesus closed the distance and Jesus steps down from his throne one step at a time? down to where Stephen is. And just like Peter sinking in the water, it's Jesus who reaches down and grabs him by the hand and lifts him up for an awesome bear hug. We've got to break off of this concept that death is defeat, when because of Jesus Christ on the cross, death is victory for his people. That's worth an amen. We've got to let go of the fear that this life is better. Because Jesus is waiting. And he's waiting for people that are going to stop holding on to this life so much. And he's waiting for people that are going to build a relationship with him and be right with him. So my challenge for you right now, let's all close our eyes. Are you afraid of death? Tonight is not a scare tactic. It's a promotional of the greatest story of all time. Are you afraid of death? Is life so worth grabbing onto? Or is it worth living sacrificially in total surrender to Jesus? If you're here tonight and you feel like that fear is because you're not right with the Lord, I want to give you a chance, just right there where you're at, just between you and God, to call on Him and give Him your life. Don't do it lightly. This isn't something that should happen because of an emotional story. You are giving your decisions for the rest of your life. You are surrendering what you want. But it's worth it. You'll never regret it. If that's you, It's as easy as calling on him as Father. You say something like, Lord, forgive me my sins. I'm so sorry. Please wash me completely. From the second I was born to the second right now, forgive me of every sin. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son, that he died on a cross and he rose from a grave to save me of my sin. Thank you. Holy Spirit. I give you the rest of my life. It's a beautiful commitment. And it's one that we work out every single day. And it's one that you never have to worry about. You can open your eyes. I've had pff, dozens of times people come to me and say, how do I know I'm really saved? What if I didn't mean it enough? What if, I, what if I'm not... Towing the line, what if I didn't say the prayer just right? What if I didn't have enough faith when I said it? And the answer, it's the only answer that I can give them is another question, is God faithful? Because it's never been about my faithfulness. It certainly isn't about anybody's faithfulness. If the best goodness we have is filthy rags, which is another word for like toilet paper in the Bible. So if you committed your life to Christ, and you're ever concerned about your salvation, you ask yourself, is God faithful? Elevator, I love you. Thank you for sitting under some sort of an uncomfortable teaching. But it's so true. And it's beautiful. And I hope it's peaceful. And I hope that for every one of us, when we deal with death, whether it's someone close to us or, or anything else, I, I hope that this brings peace and not anxiety. And we'll remember That what God has is better than now. That Jesus is so worth running towards. Heavenly Father, anoint your people tonight. Let us be Jesus followers who are fearless. Absolutely fearless. I had a missions teacher that said, there is no country you can't get into if you don't care if you come back. Lord, that is the faith of fearless Christians. Many who have gone before us. And Lord, we stand on their shoulders. We have no idea how how the transmission of the gospel has come through deaths and martyrdoms to get to us. The chains all the way back of people discipling one another until it came to us. And we thank you for everyone who gave their lives so we can know you. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus who took our sin. Lord, I pray that we will live lovingly sacrificial for people because this life doesn't have anything of lasting value. It's perishable, temporary. Lord, may we be a people who live for what is eternal, living for you. We love you, Lord, and we give you this week. Thank you that we're back in the lighthouse next week. Woohoo! Lord, I pray that you bring everyone next week That you have chosen to hear your word and that you are growing a family of disciples, of disciple makers. Thank you, Lord, for Elevate. May we be a culture that serves you, that loves each other, and that raises disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you, Elevate. Thank you for listening. Episodes are recorded every Wednesday at Elevate Student Ministry. All students, seventh through twelfth grades, are welcome.